Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Avatar After Hour, where this week we're talking about our full uncensored emotions on the entirety of uh, Shadow of Kiyoshi. So we have a lot of feelings that we couldn't confine into one episode. So here we are now just to just let our thoughts loose on it. So what do we think overall? (laughs) You know, I thought a lot about this and I don't really want to like get into like which did I like more, Rise of Kiyoshi or Shadow of Kiyoshi? I liked both of them for very different reasons. Um, mm. Looking at Rise of Kiyoshi, that was a very much almost kind of like your um, like traditional almost coming of age uh, mm-hmm. adventure sort of thing. Origin story. Origin story, sure, yeah. Um, and it had a lot, a lot of different little arcs. Um, than Shadow of Kiyoshi. Shadow of Kiyoshi was kind of like, okay, everything's established. Let's delve a little bit more into our main character. Um, and for that, I'm very grateful. It's also a little like, it's more um, driven by the setting. You know, the Fire Nation plays a giant role in what happens in Shadow of Kiyoshi. And I won't go so far as to say it's like more plot driven than Rise of Kiyoshi. I think both of them are pretty character driven uh mm-hmm. stories um but yeah i mean shadow kiyoshi like by the time i finished it i was like kind of a kind of a little sad because i really enjoyed um inhabiting the avatar world in that way especially in the way that SCE writes it mm-hmm. and i mean i am going to miss it uh if if that is truly only going to be the only two kiyoshi novels that we get um but yeah, I I really really enjoyed it. There was just so much to sink our teeth into, just as people who were recapping the novel, mm-hmm. um, and it was again just a great way, a great alternative way to enjoy Avatar. Yeah, because we haven't read any. I mean, we did like one comic book episode, mm-hmm. uh, but like it was a great way to consume this, you know, to delve into this world in a different way. Um, yeah. And I'm going to say, I also really liked how it deconstructed the myth of Kiyoshi, how mm. like maybe in the universe, in the avatar universe and within the fandom, there's this, we talked a lot about this on the, sh- uh, in the previous episodes, I won't get too much into that, but just kind of deconstructing the myth, of her that like she was this cold ruthless uh badass scary lady um where in reality she was very yes she was powerful and could be scary but she was also she also made mistakes she made you know she made bad calls i'm pretty sure she's made plenty of other bad calls in her life but like you know she's a person who struggled deeply with her role as the avatar and you know also like just kind of shows kind of like especially the end of shadow Pio, she really set up her very decisive nature that we got a little preview of in uh avatar when we when ang uh communes with kiyoshi mm-hmm. um and her just bluntness and decisiveness that definitely must have arisen from what happens with yun and all that stuff um i'm just glad that we really got to finally see kiyoshi for who she is after just hearing and seeing bits and pieces of her you know yeah uh and also like yeah that's kind of it that's the that's the biggest thing i wanted to point out just deconstructing the myth of kiyoshi (laughs) yeah and also deconstructing like her insecurities as well because um i think 
in the first book, her insecurity stems from the fact that all of her life she's been poor or a servant and the insecurity arises from that of how how could she possibly be the avatar when she's led in her in her mind such a lowly existence and now with shadow kyoshi where she's had a little bit of time to be the avatar it the insecurity now directly stems from the avatarhood because she feels like she's not handling conflicts correctly or as as gracefully as Mimi Yang Chen did um she I think she really lets like the the past about or what she thinks about Kurik really affect um her avatarhood in and of itself and it's really it was really interesting to see how she kind of came to terms with that I I don't think like she completely got over her insecurity being the avatar in this book but I think she made the first step uh, especially after the meeting with Yang Chen at the very end of realizing that there is no one way to be the avatar. And one and, correct way to be the avatar. Right. And Yang Chen even said you could talk to all of your past lives and you still wouldn't get, you still wouldn't know the best way to be the avatar. It's just kind of all falls upon you and how you decide to move forward. Um, but I, re- I re- also really do like how we, we, we're also faced with a Kiyoshi that really has very little self-regard. Like she doesn't, she has very little regard for her herself, not just because of her insecurity, but you know, she like doesn't sleep. She doesn't eat, you know, she's driven by the pain that was inflicted upon her by Jinju and the stress of the Yun situation that she, whether she realizes or not, I think pushes away people to a certain degree, especially maybe even Rongi. And I do like how this book continued to develop their relationship. Um, obviously, I, I would have also just loved just a little bit more from from their relationship. But I'm thinking because it's kind of already established, you know, we did see some conflict, which was which was refreshing to see. Like, you know, relationships aren't always, you know, happy things. They can they there can be tension. There could be conflict. And I'm glad FCE was aware of that um, and that the conflict wasn't just like manufactured for the tension required in storytelling you know like everything kind of followed how you would expect it to Mm -hmm. you know um with with some like minor minor surprises here and there but uh I would say the the only thing that I was having a hard time going along with was the I mean the main conflict between the Kaoso and Seiwan clans for me paled in comparison to the conflict between Kiyoshi and Yun. I thought that conflict, they are inextricably linked in some ways, but I feel like that conflict was a lot more interesting. I, I just don't, I just don't know that we got a lot of information about the clans and how they necessarily work within the fire nation. We just mm-hmm. know that there's just separate groups of people living in the fire nation, but we don't un- necessarily understand the power dynamics necessarily. We know that the clan Rongi comes from is, you know, considered to be lowly because they're like artisans and stuff. Yeah, um, and like they, they teach and stuff like that too. Yeah, but I would have loved to, to know more about how the other clans function within the Fire Nation. Yeah, um, I love, I'm, I always love like the politics of the worlds that 
Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why I love the, I love the politics in Star Wars. You know, some people hate that. I think it's super cool. Um, yeah, I definitely think that, I mean, this book is about four chapters shorter. Is it four chapters shorter than Rise of Kiyoshi? Something like I that. Think. Three or four chapters. Um, yeah, I can agree with you on that. I wish that there's more world building in the realm of the Fire Nation and mm-hmm. the, the clan situation, especially because when we get to, uh, you know, when we get to the time period that Aang's in, there's no clan system as far as right. we know. Um, so, like, I mean, I know that we can't really, I mean, like, like Zora, you reflects on at the end of the book, that stuff takes generations to dis- disassemble. But I don't know. I just, especially because it's a, it's a slightly different kind of, it's giving like different than the fire nation that we see slightly. It's still, Um, you know, everyone says honor and want to kill each other, but (laughs) yeah, not about clan honor anymore. It's just fire nation honor. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, overall, I, I, I just think I, I just preferred the stuff going on with with Yun and Kiyoshi a little bit more. I think by mm. the, the time we get to the final conflict, I think the the proper amount of like tension building was like put into it, like you said in the in the episode. Um, but yeah, I don't, I can't really think of anything else that was like, oh, uh. um, I'm I was surprised. I will say I was surprised to learn that Kiyoshi is pretty spiritually inclined. Um, I think because of like the fandom's perception of Kiyoshi, you wouldn't think because she's she really, I think, kind of falls in line with how Korra does things. And I think maybe we like subconsciously assumed that Kiyoshi mm-hmm. also didn't have a great time with with the spiritual stuff. And it's but not like she was she like great to, at it, but yeah, she, she managed to tap into it relative with relative ease, especially with contacting. Yeah, well, with I, the exception of Kirk, but once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once, uh, you know, Nahita said, like, pointed out how she was able to tap in so easily to some of Kirk's memories and stuff. Yeah, so. I I think I noticed when uh, looking back on on the stuff we learned about Kirk. Um, before we talk about that more in depth, I I like the overall theme of how people are not black and white, which is you know a pretty common theme in storytelling. But I think the way FCE does it is very unique because the people themselves are not the only ones that think people are black and white. I think the reader is set up to believe that that's how it is because we have the avatar who is the beacon of all goodness. And then everyone else is who doesn't agree with the avatar is the enemy. Right. But mm-hmm. looking at not only Kiyoshi, but looking at Yun, looking at Kurik, Yang Chen, Zoryu, Rongi, Heron, even everyone has these insecure either insecurities or secrets and all of them put in the same room view each other as one thing when they are a multitude of things so especially yun who we 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 uh find out that his actions are completely his own not just because He's possessed Influenced by Father Glowworm or anything. Yeah. And I think that's, I would say that surprises both as readers. And it kind of just goes to show you that people do have the capacity to react to react or act in this way, given the right circumstances, right? I mean, isn't there like, a, I hate to quote the Joker on this one, but sometimes all it takes is one bad day. It, you yeah. Know? Yeah, it's true. And for Yanni, he had a very, very bad day. <sighs> 
that completely robbed him of his purpose. Mm-hmm. And we even said, I think we said last week too. I mean, like when that happens, you can't be expected to react positively, you know, especially when so, you don't have like therapy, <laughs> right? Like you've become and very, systems. well, you become very nihilistic. Like you don't, it, it, to me, it is completely plausible how Yun began to act towards people as, as, as if they were the reason that this has happened to him. And in some ways they are, whether or not they deserve to be killed for it is a whole other matter. But the way Yun ends up seeing the situation and how, how he doesn't value life the same way Kiyoshi does, that makes a lot of sense to how he got there, which I think makes him a good antagonist. I hesitate to say villain, but, but it's a good antagonist. So that's why I think the, the, the stuff with the Fire Nation clans kind of paled in comparison to how juicy this conflict between Kiyoshi and Yun was, and not to mention it's a friends to enemies thing. Like, of course, we're, we're uh, going to be invested attracted. in this. Cause, exactly. Cause we like, cause they got to us that. to like Yun in the previous book. That much we got to see like how good he was capable of being mm-hmm. um, and how much Kiyoshi cared about him. And, and then, we mourned Yun right alongside her. Yeah. 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 You know, and we like Kiyoshi wanted to believe that, oh, he's just, you know, he needs to get snapped out. He needs to snap out of it. He's under some sort of influence because like we thought alongside Kiyoshi, oh, maybe he is possessed. Mm -hmm. But as soon as that came out, then I'm like, oh, man, I would not want to be her right now. (laughs) Right. And it all it for it also forces Kiyoshi to take uh, responsibility for how she's like sort of processed and dealed with the pain and trauma inflicted upon her by Jinju, not only by Jinju, but just life in general, and to stop blaming it on something and just realizing that it's happened, I need to find a way to move on. It's the same thing with Yun. We can't blame Father Glowworm for what he did. Where We have to accept the fact that he made that decision to do all of those things, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, the shadow aspect is is really is really interesting. Um, That's the title. <laughs> exactly exactly and so like we predict like we uh you know like we thought with like okay with shadow of kiyoshi we you know sh- the title kind of implies it's going to be a darker book and mm-hmm. i can agree with that there is some kind of heavier stuff i feel like in this one as well especially in the realm of like some of the violence and also just some of the especially because we see a character that we liked in the first book go down a really dark path right yeah yeah i agree I think it was definitely a little darker than Rise of Kiyoshi. Um, a lot of our our predictions actually came true. Um, so what were some of our predictions that we made besides the fact that it was going to be a darker book? <laughs> well, I deduced that because the cover is red that we were going to the Fire Nation. And I quite literally, and I was quite literally like joking, but... Yeah, yeah, and like but, also like you think of also like the the way like the blood, but also you think of like the part where she's like, like painting their faces with their own blood, like mm-hmm. like <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of like really metal moments in this. <laughs> there, there are, there are, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, we predicted Lauga would show up at a either inconvenient time or surprising time, and I think he did. Yeah, um, at the end. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I think you, you made a prediction that we get some mention of the Kiyoshi warriors and we didn't, if, if, I mean, we could have missed it, but I don't think, I don't think so either. Yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe FCE thought it was just like, oh, that's just too ob- that's too obvious because that's like the one of the big things we know about her in Avatar, and yeah. he was probably like, we know that about her already. You know, let's let's learn some new things. You know, yeah. Still, eh. yeah. Um, I think we made a prediction about the White Lotus, and that was pretty much a confirmation that we are at least seeing like the birth of the Order of the White Lotus or the beginnings yeah. of it. Um, mm-hmm. so it's cool to see. I wonder if I would. It, in avatar they say how long they've been around well i guess we'll find out in season three because that's when they kind of come up more yeah i don't know if i don't know if iroh said something about it in in season two but yeah i don't know um but yeah i think that's all the predictions can't think of any any else i think maybe this is something else about the flying opera company but they did come back yeah you know kind of hope that they come back and they did Mm -hmm. uh so that's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, there's all the pins. <laughs> if we think of any more pins, it. we'll definitely unpin them in the future. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask you something that I asked you in our Reza Kiyoshi uh, recap um, at the very end. What What was the moment in the book that was that kind of made you go like, holy shit, like that was a very memorable, outstanding moment for you? um i'm gonna i mean i i think probably kiyoshi's entrance in the beginning of the book uh with like the whole yang chen's not here i am kind of thing uh-huh. that really stood out to me it's one of the first things that come to mind but also i really like the things that i'm thinking of um it's not quite a big oh shit moment it was more so the um the wisdom that yang chen gave kiyoshi talking about like well the two the twofold things talking about you can talk to as many people as you want but in the end your decisions are your own and like that kind of thing i really took that to heart personally that is something that i've also been like you know just navigating adulthood in general like you can ask a million people what you think what they think is right and you know you never really truly know like you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. yeah uh, and then saying. when she says that, like, you know, in the end, her, you know, you choose your path, you know, like, you can't make everybody happy. Just exactly. basically overall the wisdom that Yang Chen gave Kiyoshi. So there's a big, awesome action moments. There's the blood, makeup. Like, that was super cool. But the lessons that were imparted at the end, uh, which weren't preachy at all. I don't think they, they came off pretty naturally. And there's some things that I have been, some themes that I had been dealing with in my own life that I really appreciated that I read about at the time that I have, you know? Awesome. Yeah. How about you? I think I, I have to say, um, I think it was, I don't think it was last week. I think it was two episodes ago. That quote uh, Kiyoshi says to Zoryu, where um, something along the lines of the power of man and spirit will paint will pale in comparison to the wrath of the elements or something like that. It, it was oh, like the one, one. I, the one I like, <laughs> I like copy and pasted and sent to everybody I knew. Um, I don't know. It's just such, that was just such a great bit of dialogue, even though it didn't like end up working out in Kiyoshi's favor. I just thought it was just like a brilliantly crafted bit of dialogue. And mm-hmm. I would just like, I kept thinking, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, uh, that and in, in, uh, the, the episode we just recorded about this was the era of Kiyoshi, the pride Mm -hmm. that she felt like, cause it was an an emotional culmination. Cause it said something that she wasn't familiar with. Um, 
And it was kind of her, it was Kiyoshi owning all of her strengths and weaknesses and, and taking pride in who she is as the avatar. And I just thought it was a great, just great emotional oh, absolutely. combination. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything else in the book that you were kind of like, eh, or? Honestly, no, I really enjoyed reading this. I think that there was some like really good writing continued off of the, you know, the rise of Kiyoshi, um, you know, the whole worrying about the sequel not being good as the original, but I think it was a very natural uh, continuation of the story. I just wish mm-hmm. there was more of it. <laughs> I want more of this stuff. This is so good. And yeah. I'm just sad that it's all, as far as I know, it's only a duology. Um, but I'm glad that we got to know Kiyoshi. I really am glad that we got to know Kiyoshi better. Um, like, damn it, I want a Kiyoshi series now. Like, I know, <laughs> like I know. TV series. And I like, you, I want to see, like, a, I love how you put that getting to know Kiyoshi. I like that. Yeah. Like, I, it's just, especially because we've seen she's a different avatar than Korra and Aang. And, you know, and then we even through her got to explore other avatars that had just gotten past in mansions like Avatar Yangchen, Avatar Kurok, you know, getting to know them through Kiyoshi as well. Um, and just expanding the world, you know, it took place like hundreds of years before Aang and Korra's times. So seeing how different the world was during Kiyoshi's time is just, also super cool let's just it just enriches the world that we love so much you know i agree i agree definitely i honestly think you could just read both of these books as one giant novel they've they flow and so well and they're both extremely consistent in the quality of the writing and the storytelling and i i truly do think FC is like a natural when it comes to writing stories in the avatar universe so much so that i i really hope that we see more of his writing pop up in future Avatar Studios projects, whether that be an Seriously. animated series or another book, or but I, I do would think... love to see more Avatar Universe books, like not I, just I, the comic books. I want to read. I want to read the novels too. I want. I want the equivalent of the Lord of the Rings Cimmerillion, where it's just like a history book of the Avatar universe like i would love same that. oh no. my god that would be so good yeah i love um, that i i do i i will say if we do get a kiyoshi series ever i want se to like be the head writer on it or at least show run it or something i don't know what his, his, his experience is with that but i don't know i just think he needs to have some major involvement in it yeah and i think i think to uh to some degree, I think he maybe even understands Kiyoshi more than Brian or Mike. Um, I definitely think he took the character in places that I'm going to assume that they didn't expect. Um, yeah. But I just think he's got a really good pulse on the character in the world. And I really want to see more stuff from him. Because we got bits and we got bits and pieces of Kiyoshi throughout the two series, even less so in Korra than in Avatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know just you know Bryke gave little pieces and FCA went and made an entire narrative out of out of it and made a very interesting and unique character that stands out amongst amazing characters that already exist within the Avatar universe so right and like you said it not only enriches the world but it enriches 
both of the series that we both love, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's given us a, a deeper appreciation knowing that, that those things happened within the same universe. So exactly. Yeah. I overall, guess- overall, I loved it. Amazing book. If you haven't read it yet, what the fuck are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Go read it. Um, I also want to point this is actually kind of an interesting, uh, I mean, I'm not sure if we did this on purpose or not, but Suki alone's coming up that we're going to be reading that soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure whether that timing was on purpose or not, but uh, it might have been. I don't know who does the schedule. Um... <laughs> See, because you do this stuff. So we do the schedule. <laughs> so I'm like, huh, good timing with it. Uh... But yeah we haven't we have not read that even though this episode is going to come out at the same time as suki alone at this point we haven't read it yet but yeah i'm excited to to read that and see if we get even a little more of kiyoshi yeah because like isn't kiyoshi on the cover of suki alone like you see like it's kind of hard it, it could be kiyoshi or it could be like you know literally suki anyone... in the kiyoshi garb i don't know yeah i so... think it's kiyoshi though i think it's kiyoshi too yeah we'll find out so you know uh, at this point, if you haven't listened to this, the Suki Alone episode yet, go check it out. Yeah. Um, but we're excited to read it. It's good. Then, yeah. and we're kind of like almost swinging back to our regular, regularly scheduled programming with mm-hmm. like watching the series. Well, we got to read one more thing first and then back to watching the series. Yeah. Yeah. But so. it's the end of a little mini era of, of yeah. you know, Avatar Hour. So, Yeah. Hopefully we'll have more more novels to discuss in the in the future for sure. I hope so too. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's it for Avatar After Hour or you know, the main show if you're listening a week later. Um, but yeah, we will be back soon with more of our regularly scheduled programming. But uh until then, you guys have a good week and we will see you later. Right, bye. Bye.